and welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas, joined by my partner in crime, Lucas Rohde. Lucas, uh, this, the calendar is officially turned to August, which means we are less than four weeks away from week zero, and we're just over four weeks away from week one. College football season is quickly approaching, and I am incredibly excited about it. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very, very well. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, practices, most uh, most schools are now in full fall camp uh, starting this week, um, which is really, really cool. So can't wait to hear how everybody's improved uh, from last year, um, how the, the media is like, this guy's going to be a rising star. Everyone's um, in the best shape of their life, right? <laughs> Everyone came into camp looking great. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, that's the, that's the exciting part about this time of the year. Everyone, everyone is hopeful, um, unless you're, uh, unless you're a Duke fan, then I think you're just, uh, <laughs> uh, so we have in the past couple of weeks tackled the PAC 12. We have tackled the ACC and the big 12. We encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. And this week we're going to tackle the big 10, uh, a, uh, a conference near and dear to Lucas's heart as his Badgers are going to be right in the thick of things right again. Uh, and then next week we'll tackle the SEC and then uh, we'll kind of do our, our win totals locks and kind of, uh, you know, playoff predictions the week after. And then we're, we're right at this thing. So Lucas, as we jump into the big 10, as we kind of normally have done before we jump into team by team breakdowns, um, your thoughts overall on the Big Ten? Uh, Michigan kind of breaks through last year as a Michigan Iowa Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State. Uh, you know, Ryan Day said eleven and two is never good enough, so they're going to be back and strong. And Big Ten West looks like it's going to be complete chaos again. So, what are your uh, what are your thoughts there on your league? Yeah, uh, kind of like you were saying. I think I'm interested to see how Ohio State responds. Like you said. 11 and 2, I think 95% of programs in the country would, would take the season they had um, going in and, and winning a, a crazy Rose Bowl game. But obviously, they have higher expectations there. I'm interested to see them with, with Jim Knowles taking over as their defensive coordinator. Michigan as well. I think they're in an interesting spot. Do they fall back? Do they maintain what they have? You know, and also, look kind of what's the mindset of that team? You know, Harbaugh flirted with the NFL for a little bit there. Um, and ultimately decided to come back. And um, I think also to Penn State, you know, do they rebound after kind of back-to-back disappointing years? Does Michigan State, um, after kind of a surprise year, um, kind of uh, see if they can kind of stay up in that Big Ten East race? And then you mentioned the West. Yeah, I think there's – you could make an argument for probably four or five teams in the West to win it, and I would probably agree with you. So <laughs> – um, that, that could be, those teams could be beating up on each other. So I think it'll be fun all around. I think the conference is extremely deep, uh, this year on both sides, um, uh, both sides in both divisions. So I think it's going to be a, a fun league. Um, once again, a couple of years ago, I think I was listening to Paul Feinbaum and he said, you know, with the way coaching salaries have gotten somebody in the sec is going to be paid $4 million to finish last. Right. And this was back in like 2018. And I I can't help but have the same thoughts about the Big Ten East, where it's like Mel Tucker might get nine and a half million dollars to come in fourth. You know, James Franklin might be making, you know, he signed a a nine figure contract and 
might finish seven and five and fourth in that division. So like you said, there there's a lot of interesting storylines. You have so many more teams. All right, there's 14 teams and so many teams that I think legitimately like put Ohio State in a tier on its own, which we'll get to mm-hmm. them here soon. But like the other like top six or seven teams in, in this league are are really interesting to me, right? I mean, Iowa really surged at the end of uh, at the end of the year. Wisconsin had itself in a position to win the division and play in the title game. They lose to Minnesota. You know, the Golden Gophers returned Tanner Morgan for his ninth season in, in you know Minneapolis. The, <laughs> you know, dudes already collecting you know social security from the from the state government there. Um, it's it's awesome. It's it's fun. So let's dive into it here. It's going to be a long one. Four, Fourteen teams. So uh, buckle up. We'll start in in the East with uh, the o- Ohio State Buckeyes, a team that has dominated this league for years, and that domination came to <clears throat> excuse me a bit of a halt last year. I mean, certainly ten and two regular season. They went eight and one in the conference. The only loss coming at Michigan in the last week of the season. But, you know, Lucas, a lot of change on this coaching staff, especially defensively. Only one defensive coach retained. That was the defensive line coach, Larry Johnson. Like you mentioned, Jim Knowles comes in. Uh, He uh, replaces Kerry Coombs as defensive coordinator. And a lot of new defensive coaches as well. This is a program that might have the best offense in the country, like skill guys in the country with C.J. Stroud, Trayvon Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigma, like, the offense is stacked. The defense should be much improved. Um, and I think a lot of people, as we're doing these preseason predictions, there seems to be a tier of college football teams. It's Alabama, Georgia, and most people put Ohio State in this tier, in, in that tier. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it because it's because of that offense. You know, we, we were both texting last night kind of when we were doing our write-ups, and we were both basically like thinking – at least in my opinion, I was like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this team's averaging well over 40 points a game. I even joked, maybe they could do 50 um, because they bring so much back. I mean, C.J. Stroud was, I believe, in the top five in passing efficiency in just about every category that a, a quarterback can have. And it just boggles my mind. They lost two first-round wide receivers in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and yet they're still bringing their best receiver back this year in and, and Jackson smith Jigba, who just went completely off in that Rose Bowl. Uh, maybe the greatest game by a college-wide receiver I've ever seen. Um, but as you mentioned, the biggest question mark is going to be their defense. Um, I think I read – I mean, this is how good Ohio State has been just as a program. Last year, they averaged giving up 22.8 points per game. It was the fifth worst in their program's history. Um, so they just have such a high standard. Um, they weren't awful last year, but we saw against teams, very physical teams like Oregon. And against Michigan, they just ran all over them. And for a team that's as talented and recruits as well as Ohio State does, um, that should not happen. But they bring in uh, Jim Knowles, who came from Oklahoma State. His defenses were one of the best in the country last year, especially when it came to to takeaways, to sacks, and um, tackles for loss. And I think they're going to do the same thing here. I think, um, you know, I think Ohio State has a lot to work with, um, especially in the secondary. They bring back, you know, Ronnie Hickman at safety, who was fourth-team All-American. They also bring back uh, Denzel Burke, um, who is third-team All-Big Ten. And we know when Ohio State's humming, they have really, really good secondary, as we've seen the last how many years with so many first-rounders. Um, but really want to see where they're going to be tested on that defensive line. They, they're young on there, but 
but ultra talented and be interesting to see if Jim Knowles can whip those guys into shape. Yeah, I mean, two five-star defensive linemen, JT2 Milau, who was, I believe, the number one overall player in the class of 2021. Jack Sawyer, also uh, a five-star. And you think about you think about Ohio State, certainly the defensive backs, but the defensive linemen. I mean, yeah. Jim, you know, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Um, Chase Young. Yeah, like Chase, yeah, like, and, and, and you thought with the way they were recruiting that that would continue. But Lucas, you're right, they got – out physical in both their losses. I mean, Michigan ran up and down, Oregon ran up and down and it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's an issue when you play in the big 10, right? If you play in the big 12 or the pac 12, it's not as much of an issue if you're not physical, but when you're in the big 10, like you're going to get teams like Michigan, Penn state, Wisconsin, like all on their schedule this year that are going to be really physical and line up with six or seven guys at the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And they're going to pound you and, and they're going to see how do you respond. Um, and that will be interesting. And it's weird to question that for Ohio State, um, but I don't think it's an unfair criticism. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And so uh, I think and just kind of the way their their schedule shakes out this year, I think I, I just don't know if they're going to be challenged as much, but I'll let you get to the schedule. Yeah, so um, they do have Notre Dame uh, week one. They will they will welcome Marcus Freeman his first regular season game. Uh, that is on ABC week one. The other uh, games in the, in the uh, the out of conference: Arkansas State and Toledo, all at home. Um, one thing to note about the Big Ten: uh, the way the schedule system swung is every Big Ten East team will have five home games in conference, and every Big Ten West team will have five road games in conference. So Ohio state gets Wisconsin at home, Rutgers, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, uh, on the road, they'll go at Michigan state at Penn state, Northwestern, Maryland, the draw from the big 10 West, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern. So, you know, Lucas, it's, it's kind of interesting how you say they won't be tested. I think it just goes to show you how much better Ohio state is in almost every other team. Cause if you were to say, yeah, your draw from the West is Wisconsin and Iowa, Every other team would be like, damn, that's a really tough draw. With 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 Ohio State, it probably won't matter. The over-under is at around 11. Uh, and I will let you go first there. Over-under 11. Yeah, and as you can kind of, as you were mentioning my comments, I'm, I'm easily going over. I, I just think coming off a year, they're going to have a chip against themselves. Probably the only team that goes you know, 11 and 2 uh, is going to play with a chip on their shoulder. I know when they – they last lost, I think, the Big Ten. Um, that was 2016, and the next year they, in 2017, um, they won it uh, the next season as well. So I think they're going to rebound really well. As we mentioned, the defense, I do think they're going to take a step up. I think Jim Knowles was a huge add. Um, and like you mentioned, even their, their tough crossover games, uh, when you look at it, Wisconsin and Iowa, they're both in the shoe. Um, and like I said, I think – even if their defense is not vastly improved, you're still going to have to outscore Ohio State. And I just don't see any there, – there's some good offenses in, in the Big Ten, but there's just none with the firepower that they have. Um, and I think their toughest game is going to be on the road at Michigan for the last game of the year. Um, or not they on get, the road, but that's at home. Yeah, uh, they get Michigan so, at home. At Penn State, at Michigan State, probably the toughest yeah, games. Probably the two toughest games. Um, but I think they're better than Penn State. It wouldn't shock me if they go um, twelve and zero, but I think eleven wins is is almost for certain with the schedule. 
I agree. I, it's hard for me to see this team at 10 and two, you know, I, if the Notre Dame game was maybe week two or three and, and you, we could see what Notre Dame is going to be under Marcus Freeman, maybe kind of like how the Oregon game I think was week two last year. Um, it's week one. And I think Ohio state at home night game week one, it's really hard for me to pick against them. And yeah, I don't think you're going to lose two games in conference. You know, um, we really haven't seen Ohio state lose to teams that it shouldn't under Ryan day, like urban Myers team. They had the loss like at, at Purdue and like the loss at Iowa, like towards the end of, of, of the last decade. You haven't seen that with, no with Ryan day. And I, I don't know who's going to, I mean, CJ Stroud last year, top five in, in passing touchdowns, yards, yards per game. They also, we haven't mentioned Trayvon Henderson, who might be like the best running back in the country. Definitely the best running back in his class as a true sophomore. Um, they have three starters back on the offensive line. They got a ton of studs on defense. Like it's an over for me. I, I think this is probably a 12 and no team, 11 and one, um, out, out, at worst. So yeah, and we, I think it's hard to forget that loss to Michigan last year. That was Ryan Day's first loss to a Big Ten team in four years. That's wild. So um, I think the chances are very, very good for them to go. All right. Speaking of the Michigan Wolverines, the reigning Big Ten champions making their first playoff appearance. Jim Harbaugh's kind of breakthrough season. Um, but a lot gone off of this team. Lucas, the 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 first question that I wrote down on, on my notes was, is that the ceiling for Michigan? Big Ten championship, beat Ohio State, make the playoff, don't really play a competitive game in the playoff. And this is kind of a theme that we have seen with teams like that are not Ohio State, Clemson, you know, Alabama in the playoff is they get there and it's hard for them to compete with the elite of the elite. Yeah. So First of all, what do you think about that? And then second of all, kind of your overall thoughts on this Michigan team? I think it's a really great question because, um, you know, Michigan prides itself on kind of being in the upper tier. I mean, they're the winningest football program in college football. Um, and the fact is, is like the ceiling that they have. If, if your ceiling is you might be a top five to ten team each year, maybe make the playoff once every few years – it's a pretty good ceiling, but I don't yeah. think that that's obviously not what Michigan has or what they had in entail when they got Harbaugh. Harbaugh was to bring them back to winning Big Ten titles and national titles. I think it's still there. They still recruited at a very high level. They have you know top ten classes I think throughout the last four years. Um, but what we've seen is if you want to compete, you kind of have to be in that top top five range just about every year. Um, and who knows, I, I won't put a ceiling on them because I think sometimes we see teams when they get a taste of it, like Michigan did last year and they saw what Georgia did. I think it changes your mindset as a staff and as players, like, okay, if we're going to get to that level, we now know what, it, what we have to do to get to it. Um, and like we said, they, they beat Ohio state this year. Can they do it a second year? Oh, that's why I think the season is, is, is just highly interesting for Michigan because, it's either going to stay, okay, are we staying at this level consistently yeah. or was that once in a blue moon? So uh, to give you an answer, I don't know. Cause I, I think Michigan can get back to that, but we just haven't seen it. Cause that was the highest that they've gone in the seven years that Harbaugh has been. It's interesting looking at this 2022 Michigan team. You can talk yourself into them and out on them, right? You, you, like you can mention they lose Aiden Hutchinson. 
They lose David Ajabo. They lose Daxton Hill. They lose Hassan Haskins. Both the coordinators are gone. But they also return both their quarterbacks, Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, two of their top three running backs, three offensive line starters, and six of their top seven wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So, listen, the defense loses seven starters and two first-round picks, plus David Ajabo, who's probably a first-round pick if he doesn't blow out his Achilles at their pro day. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Like, that's mm-hmm. a lot to lose. But as we look at the schedule here, Lucas texted me. He's like, wow, Michigan really stretching themselves thin in the non-conference. Here's the non-conference schedule. Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. They're, they're going to be 20-point favorites in every one of those games and probably more like 30- to 40-point favorites against UConn and uh, Hawaii. Uh, five Big Ten home games, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska, Illinois. On the road, they'll go to Iowa, Indiana, Rutgers, Ohio State. The schedule is really favorable. Nebraska, Illinois, and Iowa from the Big Ten West. You get Penn State and Michigan State at home. You go at Ohio State, if but even if you pencil that as a loss, I don't know if I see another like game where they're going to be underdog. Maybe at Iowa, especially if it's Maybe. like a game at at Kinnick. Those are always tough. But you know, just getting to the over under here, it's nine and a half over minus one ten under minus one ten. I took the over, and like I didn't, I don't love it. Like I don't love losing that much, especially like the Michigan defense was its best unit. Yes. And you lose a ton of it. But I'm sitting here trying to think of three Big Ten losses. I mean, if you lose to Ohio State and you probably split Penn State, Michigan State, it still puts you in a really good position. So I took the over nine and a half. I don't I don't necessarily love it, but that's just kind of where I settled. Yeah, I'm kind of with you too because um, – and that hesitation is kind of like you mentioned. like Guys like, like Aiden Hutchinson – Hutchinson, David Ajabo. I mean, you can make an argument those were, yeah, those were generational type players for uh, for Michigan to have at the same time. And obviously, you're not going to replace that. I think for Michigan this year, you're just hoping because they return nine starters back on offense. Clean, you know, uh, you mentioned Cade McNamara, uh, Blake Corum, who was their second leading rusher behind Hassan Haskins, had almost a thousand yards last year's back. Um, if their offense can take a step forward, which I think it is doing, even though they lost Josh Gaddis, who was the, the best assistant in the country last year, uh, winning the Broyles award, but, um, but no, I, I'm kind of with you. I just don't really see it even at Iowa, which I might consider maybe their second toughest road game behind at Ohio state. I don't know if I was going to be able to score this year. So my, <laughs> <laughs> even the, their defense, I mean, their defense might get tested a little bit against Maryland. I think Maryland's going to have a really good offense, but I don't see Maryland uh, doing an upset uh, in Michigan. So yeah, I'm with you. I just, I don't, it's hard for me to see three for sure losses on this schedule. Um, And this could be a team where the non-conference schedule works out for them, where maybe they need two or three tune-up games to really get into shape before big 10 play, get some confidence with some of the new players that are coming in. Um, and kind of get a flow with the new coordinators. Um, so that could actually really, really benefit them. Um, but yeah, I'm with you kind of with the over. I, I just, it's hard for me just with the schedule, them losing two games. The clip of you saying, we don't know if Iowa's going to be able to score this year. I'm just going to like clip that. And we're just going to play it every, every big 10 preview. Like <laughs> we don't even need you for the Iowa portion. We're just going to say, can Iowa score this year? 
We'll get to Iowa here in a, in a little bit. So you're over on Michigan, correct? Yes, I'm okay. over on Michigan. So, so far, we're both over on Ohio State and both over on Michigan. So. <laughs> um, all right, the Penn State Nittany Lions, um, a program that has stalled out a little bit. I say that kind of as a question under James Franklin. Uh, 11 and 11 since the 20 start, since the start of the 2020 season. Um, Penn State was seven and six last year, seven and five in the regular season. Um, 0 and three against the big three of, of Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. James Franklin uh, against those three teams, just seven and 17 in eight years uh, at the helm of Penn State. Sean Clifford, I think, like we meant, like we're going to mention with a lot of quarterbacks, is is back again for. Another year, Sean Clifford roughly in his eighth season at Penn State. Uh, Jahan Dotson is gone. Uh, they do bring in a really hyped five-star freshman running back, Nick Singleton. Um, Lucas, when I look at Penn State, I, you know, you mentioned it a little bit off the top, but this is a big year for James Franklin. I mean, this is a big year for, for him and this program, even though he just signed a brand-new 10-year extension. Thank thank you, LSU. Um this is this is this is a big year. Are they closer to Ohio State or are they closer to Michigan State and 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 Maryland? And I think that's what we're going to find out this year, right? Yeah, and I mean, last year you look at it. I mean, they were I think they finished the year seven and six, but they had a lot of a lot of tough losses, especially when you look back at it when they had Michigan at home, lost them by one possession. Iowa on the road, which they only lost by three, and that's when Sean Clifford got knocked out for the whole second half. Um, so I think this team was better than what their record says. Um, offense did not help. Obviously, Sean Clifford was not the same quarterback in the second half of the season as he was in the first half, uh, was battling um, you know, injuries that whole season. It's a big reason why they ended up losing to Illinois in nine overtimes, just a classic, classic game. Um, but uh, – it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to improve. This is the first time Sean Clifford has had the same offensive coordinator in back-to-back years. Um, they decided to, to keep Mike Yersich there. Um, so I think I just think they got to be able to run the ball a little bit better. You were mentioning they have you know, the five-star running back uh, coming in and Nick, uh, Nick Singleton. Um, you know, he, I'm assuming he's going to be probably their starter this year. Um, but they just really got to, I think, run the ball, get some less pressure off of them. Because last year they were they were 90th in scoring, they were 96th in yards per play, and they were 117th in yards per rush. Um, it was actually the first season in like 60 years they did not have they did not have one player did not have a 100 yard rushing uh, game last year uh, for Penn State, which is kind of hard to believe with the amount of good backs that they've had over the years. Um, so I just kind of see improvement. I think another guy to uh, watch out for, Jahan Dotson is gone, but they brought in uh, Mitchell Tinsley, a transfer from Western Kentucky, at over 1,400 yards receiving last year uh, for the Hilltoppers. Um, obviously, they're not going to be throwing the ball as much as uh, Western Kentucky did last year, but I think um, another nice add. And I think this defense should be pretty good. Um, they do uh, bring in Manny Diaz. As their new defensive coordinator, Brent Pry left to take over the head coaching job um, at Virginia Tech, and they do got to lose. They did lose some production on the defensive line, um, but I do think this offense should improve because I don't think they can get any worse than they were a year ago. 
Um, I think they have good pieces. And I also think this defensive, uh, even if the defense eases back just a little bit, I still think it's going to be a pretty dang good front, especially with the way they've recruited in the last few years. Yeah, you mentioned Manny Diaz there taking over as DC. A lot of impactful guys gone. Brandon Smith, uh, Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lakita, Jaquan Brisker, Tariq Crastrofields, all gone to the NFL. Uh, the out-of-conference for Penn State, they host Ohio and Central Michigan, and they'll go at Auburn in a return and kind of a, a, a return game. Uh, Penn State won at home last year. That'll be a really interesting one. That's, a, I think, week three, the CBS game of the week, uh, 1230 Pacific time. Five Big Ten home games. They'll get Northwestern, Minnesota at home, Ohio State, Maryland, and Michigan State. They'll go on the road at Purdue, Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers. So Northwestern, Minnesota, and Purdue out of the Big Ten West. Lucas, the over-under at FanDuel is a round eight. Over is minus 145. The under is plus 125. Let's yeah, see. I'm going over. Um, and that's more because it's like you said, it's a nice round number at eight. I see them at eight and four or nine and three. I'd be shocked if they went seven and five again. Um, just because you look at their, you mentioned kind of that their crossover games. Um, it's Northwestern, Minnesota, and Purdue. I think they're going to be favored in all three of those games. Um, I think it's awesome that they start on the road in West Lafayette, I believe on like a Thursday night. September 1st. I think that's going to be a huge game for both of those teams. I think it's kind of an underrated game uh, in that Labor Day weekend. Um, but I mean, their away games uh, to me are, are very manageable. Purdue, they do have to go on the road at Michigan, but then they have Indiana and Rutgers in the conference. At Auburn, who the hell knows what that team's going to be like this year? <laughs> Maybe it's a detriment they get them earlier in the year when they might be still trying, but. Um, no, I think it's really manageable. They get Ohio State at home, but then, like I said, Northwestern, Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan State, I think they'll be favored in those four games. Um, so I like the schedule. I just don't think – I just don't, I cannot see – Penn State's too talented to go 7-5, and five, in my opinion, this year. I think this is, at worst, an 8-4 and four team. So that's why, um, at worst, I think they're going to push. I agree, and it's hard with these round numbers because um, I think this is an eight and four team, um, but I think nine and three would be more likely than seven and five. So when I have that my like when it's a round number, and I think well, it's probably like push. I think is the most likely outcome. My answer will be over as well because I do think nine and three for m- many of the same reasons. Nine and three is more likely uh, than seven and five. So all right, Michigan State. 11 and 2 in 2021 in Mel Tucker's second season. Mel Tucker then inks a $100 million extension to keep him in East Lansing. Once again, we say thank you to LSU and Ed Orgeron. Uh, the Doak Walker Award winner, Kenny Walker, is gone to the Seattle Seahawks. Wide receiver Jalen Naylor is gone. Uh, but they do get Peyton Thorne back, who threw for over 3,200 yards and 27 touchdowns. Couple of running back transfers, including a former Badger, uh, Jalen Berger. Uh, Lucas, your thoughts on Michigan State in Mel Tucker's third season? Yeah, once again, kind of an interesting, interesting year. The the thing I think for them that they really have to improve on was their was their pass defense. I think their pass defense was arguably one of the I think it was the yep. worst statistically, at least in the Power Five. It might have been the worst in, in FBS. Um, um, and I know Mel Tucker spoke 
fondly about it at uh, at Big Ten Media Days uh, this year as well. But I think it should be improved. I mean, they they bring back a lot on their defense, um, especially on the D line, um, and then also um, in, you know in the linebacking core. You know, Cal Halliday, who was their leading tackle at ninety six tackles last year, he's back. Um, and I know they also bring in uh, Jacoby Whitman, um, who had over 100 tackles for UNLV. So I think they're going to the transfer portal once again to fill holes. They're a linebacker. You mentioned at running back. Uh, they bring in Jalen Berger, who I really liked when he was at Wisconsin. He started for us two years ago and was supposed to be the expected starter before off-the-field issues got him kicked off the team. Uh, but they also brought in uh, you know, Jarek Broussard from Colorado. Um, who uh, was very good for, for uh, the Buffs last year. Look, none of these guys are Kenneth Walker, and that's what kind of worries me because um, I know when you look at kind of the advanced stats of, uh, of last year, their, their offensive line didn't get a ton of push. They were one of the lowest when it came to like yards before contact or getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. Um, now I do know they bring a decent amount of those snaps back. So maybe they improve on that. So that'd be a little bit worrisome. Uh, cause like Kenneth Walker was amazing last year. He made up for a lot of holes, I think on this team, they should be fun. I think on offense, I uh, just have, I, I still think I just have some question marks on defense and they had a lot of things go right for them last year. I just don't know if they can recreate that type of matchup. Yeah, you're talking about a, a, a Michigan State defense that in 2021 was 15th in rushing yards allowed, 14th in yards per rush, 6th in total sacks. The counterpoint to that being they were arguably the worst pass defense in college football. Yeah. So it will be interesting. Eight new transfers for Mel Tucker. And I think one of the biggest things with, with Michigan State just overall, it seems like this is a new program that is going to take football seriously. Mm-hmm. They they got a hefty financial commitment to keep Mel Tucker in East Lansing. And with that kind of commitment, I think comes other financial commitments, whether that's NIL, whether that's facilities, whether that's, you know, coaching staff, um, you know, an expansion of some of the off the field roles for his coaching staff. So I think that's exciting for Michigan State. And I think one of the things I'm keeping an eye on in this conference in general is like over the next three to four years, who do we like more, Penn State or Michigan mm-hmm. State? Like, I think that's a really interesting question. Yeah, no, and I think what we see with Mel Tucker just on the recruiting trail, and he's not afraid to go in the portal to 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 fill holes. Um, and I I think my only issue with it is the Big Ten East is just so brutal. I think Michigan State will love it when uh, I think at some point when the Big Ten gets rid of divisions. Um, and they're playing more of a balanced schedule. Um, but I agree with you. I think they're investing. I think this program is headed in the right direction. I'm just not sure if I see them going 11 and two, uh, for a second straight year. Good little segue there, Lucas. The over under is at seven and a half by FanDuel Sportsbook. Over is minus 120, under is plus 100. At a conference, they get Western Michigan, Akron, and an interesting game against Washington in Seattle. Big Ten home slate includes Minnesota and Wisconsin from the Big Ten West. They'll also get Ohio State, Rutgers, and Indiana. On the road from the West, they'll go at Illinois. They'll also play Maryland, Michigan, and Penn State away from East Lansing. I'm going to go under seven and a half wins, mainly because you can't go over on every team in this league. I'm over basically on Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. 
I think seven and five is very realistic. You lose Kenneth Walker. You have some questions about can you hit the explosive play on the outside. You have some offensive line questions. Um, I think last year was a great foundational season for Michigan State. It wouldn't surprise me if they went double-digit games here soon. Um, I don't think it'll be this year, kind of like you said. And uh, so I'm going to take the over, but I think – or I'm sorry, the under. But I think this is like a 7-6 win team. Yep, that's kind of where I'm too, kind of for the same reasons. We are, I already picked over for three other teams. Someone's got to be under um, and lose these teams. But I just mentioned, I just think they played a lot of close games last year, and I think their schedule's tough. I mean, even going to Washington, I think, is going to be a tough game on the road against a team that I think is going to be drastically better than what they were a year ago. Um, even going up against a team like Maryland, uh, who I know we're probably going to talk about here shortly, um, but yeah, I just see it under, and look, this was a team that was, that was only won two games two years ago. Um, I think they go to back-to-back goals to, if they finish seven and five, I don't think that's anything ashamed as Mel Tucker continues to build depth. Um, but yeah, I just think, um, that out of the teams prone to take a step back, I think they're the number one candidate in this division. I think it has to be right. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't think it's realistic for back-to-back 10 win seasons, especially with what we expect out of Michigan, Ohio State, uh, and and Penn State potentially. All right, the Maryland Terrapins, a uh, six and six regular season in twenty twenty one, make it to a bowl game and uh, a bowl victory for the first time since twenty ten. How about Maryland's first winning season since twenty fourteen? Mike Loxley kind of started <laughs> off by doing some really good things on the recruiting trail, and that has uh, transitioned a little bit on field now. Uh, Talia Tagavailoa is back after setting school records for yards, completions, completion percentage, and tying the school record for passing touchdowns. They've got really good wide receivers. The offense should be really good. Um, and Lucas, this seems to be a Maryland team kind of trending uh, in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, mentioning their their offense, and it's at all levels. I mean, that you bring back Talia, who broke a ton of school records last year for Maryland. You know, you bring back, you know, they're going to be, expo- they might have the second best wide receiver unit in the Big Ten behind yeah. Ohio State with Keem Jared, uh, with Dante Demas and Deshaun Jones. Um, but also their offensive line. This was an offensive line that brings everybody back. And last year they were top 30 in, um, in sack rate. So they did not allow a ton of pressure uh on Talia as well so I think this is going to be a really really fun offense not sure who they're going to be having at running back I know they're going to be probably have two or three guys uh evenly taking carries um I think the biggest question is um can they you know stop a nosebleed on defense because they they really couldn't last year allowed over 150 yards on the ground um as a defense um, and it's sunk. They were supposed to bring in Kevin Steele. He would, had agreed to become their defensive coordinator and like three weeks later decided to go to Miami. So um, they keep Trent Bray, who took over late last year. Um, and they have some people to work with, especially in the secondary, like Jacorian Bennett, a really good corner, actually led the Big Ten in pass breakups last year. He'll be back. So um, especially against, we were talking about some of the better offenses against Michigan, Ohio State. They're going to need that, and that might uh, stop them. But I think this is going to be rare for a Big Ten team, but it's a team that I'm probably going to be betting over um, on all their games. It's definitely going to be in the over club uh, when they're playing. 
Yeah, it's definitely a different stratosphere than a uh, you know northwestern Iowa late October game on ESPN two with Beth Mowens on the call. <laughs> definitely feel that with Maryland. I think Maryland and Purdue, along with Ohio State, are the teams that kind of buck the trend with the Big Ten of of phys- you know physicality and and such. But Lucas, when you look at the returning production, right? I mean, like like you said, a hundred percent of the offensive line uh, starts are back. Ninety eight percent of the passing yards. Uh, 45% of the rushing yards, only 54% of the receiving yards. But like you said, like Rakeem Jarrett had 829 yards last year, Dante Dimas. They also bring in Jordan, uh, Jacob Copeland from Florida, got over six, over 600 yards last year for the Gators. So this will be an exciting team, uh, that will be able to score the football. Uh, the at a conference, they'll host Buffalo and SMU. They'll go at Charlotte. Uh, the over under is at five and a half. Over is minus 135. Under is plus 115. Uh, from the West at home, they will get Purdue and Northwestern. They'll also get Michigan State, Ohio State, and Rutgers at home. On the road, they'll get Michigan, Indiana, Penn State, and Wisconsin from the Big Ten West. Um, I will let you go first. Over under five and a half wins. I'm going over. I think this is at worst a bowl team this year. I think with the offense they have, um, and also, I think that the non-conference schedule benefits them. Uh, I think SMU might give them pretty tough. I mean, at Charlotte, maybe, but that should be a, a very winnable game. Um, but uh, I think at worst, yeah, this is a bold team. I think they're better than uh, the bottom two teams in the, in their division in, in Indiana and Rutgers. We look at it, they also get Northwestern. So if they go... 3-0 in the non-con, and then they go just go 3-0 and against those teams, which I think they will. Um, uh, you know, that's a bold team. And who knows, maybe I think uh, Maryland, this is the type of team that you know, might finish 7-5, but I think if you're looking for improvement, like maybe they knock off finally either uh, you know Michigan State, a Penn State, or Michigan. I don't think they're going to do that to Ohio State. But you know, this is a team that I think um, will give some of the more top teams in this division um, a little bit more run for their money. You mentioned kind of Maryland and Purdue. I'm excited already for that game on October 8th. That's that's an over special, I think, right there. If you want to see both quarterbacks throw for like 400 yards, um, that's the game you need to yeah. for right now. <laughs> you know Vegas will put it like 48 and a half because they're they're not conditioned to two Big Ten teams going over like <laughs> Um, I'm going over as well for all the reasons you said. I think the non-conference sets up for at worst a two and one, but most likely a, a three and zero. Oh. Getting Northwestern at home is to me almost a lock. Rutgers at home, Indiana on the road. Maybe you get one of Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. I think Michigan State at home is very winnable for them. Mm-hmm. So I think this could be like a seven-ish team, and and. Wouldn't shock me with some of the questions we have about Penn State and Michigan State to see this team at like eight and four, and maybe yeah, they finish third or fourth uh, in the division. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 pleasantly a little bullish uh, on Maryland, partly because they can score, they got a good quarterback coming back, and they got good weapons. And you really can't say that about a lot of other teams in this league. Speaking of not a lot of other teams, you can talk about good offenses. Let's go to Indiana. Uh, <laughs> Indiana. The bottom really fell out for Tom Allen uh, and uh, and the Hoosiers last year. Six and one in 2020, two and ten in 2021. Uh, they lost their last eight games. They lost their last four games by double digits. 
it was a team that was brutalized by injury, Lucas. They lost 20 players to season-ending injuries. Um, you have five new assistant coaches. You have two new coordinators. A lot of change for Tom Allen. I think coming out of the COVID season, there was a lot of optimism in terms of how they were recruiting, the results on field. And last year, I mean, you had a ton of injuries. I get that, but a step in the wrong direction for Indiana last year. Yeah, and I mean, they're kind of a tough, at least for this year, because I I feel like when I was reading the season previews, I I felt like just about every position had somebody returning from injury from from last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, But, you know, I do like what they did. You know, they brought in Connor Bazelak, who two years ago was the SEC freshman of the year um, at Mizzou. I think that's definitely an upgrade over what they had at quarterback last year. They'll still have Jack Tuttle, who started a handful of games for them competing for that role. Um, you know, they but they lose top their top three running backs. You know, Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot, who I believe combined in their career had over like 3,000 yards, were very productive. They're both gone. Um, so they're going to have to fill there. I know they brought in transfers. Um, they do return a lot of their offensive line. Um, I do think their defense will be improved. Uh, Tom Allen is actually going to be taking over the play calling, which um, he had stopped doing, I think, in 2018. Um, and they also returned you know, some guys um, back there as well uh, that were missed uh, from last year. Um, so it'll be interesting. But, I mean, this offense is awful. You mentioned they were kind of – bottom of the barrel they ranked 127th in fbs in in points scored per game um so i just think it's it's a huge gap um but like we said two years ago this team was competing they, they were one game away from beating ohio state and going to the big 10 title game so i don't think it's that far-fetched maybe to see that they they could show some improvement but um the schedule is brutal as it always is um you know even you know in the big 10 east but then you're also throwing a home game at or an away game at Cincinnati in the non-con. Um, I just think it's going to be pro- tough probably for them to, to go to a bowl game this year. Yeah. Um, top three running backs gone, like you said. They only have 7% of their receiving yards coming back, 13% of their rushing yards, 18% of their sacks, and 22% of their tackles. I mean, this is a – a, a lot now. A lot of that probably is guys who are injured who will step into their, you know, into those roles that maybe they thought they were gonna yeah. they were gonna um, have last year. One thing I will say: there's a lot of uh, a lot of veterans on this team. Five, six year seniors, mm-hmm. 11, 50 year seniors, seven, four year seniors, and eighteen redshirt juniors. It's a lot of of players and and some players that have had a good amount of success uh, with this program. Um, the at a conference, like Lucas said, Idaho, Western Kentucky at home and at Cincinnati, uh, the big 10 home slate includes Michigan, Penn state and Maryland, as well as Purdue and Illinois from the West, uh, big 10 road slate is Rutgers, Ohio state, Michigan state, and they'll play Nebraska in Lincoln, uh, from the big 10 West. The over under is set at four at FanDuel, the over minus 120, the under is plus a hundred. I took the under. Um, I, I could see a push here. Like I think four and eight potentially is likely, but when I look at you're you're going to go at best two and one in the non-conference, I don't think Western Kentucky gets you. Um, Bailey Zappi's gone. The OC is gone. Indian at, at Cincy, you're, you're probably losing. Yeah. 
the draw from the Big Ten West is is not bad. Illinois and Purdue at home. Uh, they also get Illinois at home week one um, on a Friday, where Illinois plays week zero on a Saturday. So I don't know what team that favors. Would you rather play a game and get some of the kinks out, or would you rather not and be fresh? Like, I don't know. Um, but that could be a winnable game for Indiana. Nebraska on the road is is early in the season, so I don't love that because as we will get to soon, I think the bottom is just going to fall out of Nebraska at some point. Uh, so I, I took the under, as <laughs> I, as Lucas laughs, I took the under with a potential for a push, but I think three and nine more likely than five and seven. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same there too. I just think I mean I just don't know if this offense is going. to – I could see improvement on their defense. Like you mentioned, they did bring back, uh, you know, if uh, some guys back from injury, um, right? You know, uh, you know, Taiwan Mullen in their secondary was was an All American in twenty twenty, missed all of last year for injury, um, and I know they return a good amount of starters on their defensive line. Um, like I just said, I just think I think these guys will play hard, and I think it it could be a similar year that we were used to Indiana from a few years ago, where you know, they were five and seven, four and eight, but they gave teams they gave a lot of teams games that they probably had no business being in. I think this is just kind of the start of maybe just a rebound year for Indiana, a good build up year to hopefully maybe the year after they can maybe go bowling. But I just I just I just don't see it um, this year for that for the Hoosiers, unfortunately. All right, we'll round out the uh, the Big Ten East with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, uh, the only five and eight team in the country, maybe the only five and eight team in the history of college football. Uh, five and seven in the regular season in twenty twenty one. They were invited to the Tax Slayer Bowl because of the uh, high APR scores after Texas A and M had to withdraw. They were thoroughly thumped by Wake Forest, but no shame there. Wake was a a ten win team. You got a lot of new coaches, especially on defense. How about this, Lucas? 11 new offensive linemen, seven freshmen, four transfers. That's absolutely wild. Um, Isaac Pacheco is gone. He was a seventh-round draft pick. Uh, He was their star running back last year. They'll have a three-way battle at quarterback. Um, Noah Vidrell started all 13 games last year. Um, I would think has the inside track, but some some kind of questions there at at quarterback. Um, What do you see out out of this Rutgers team here this year? Um, yeah, it's, to me, this feels like kind of a rebuilding year for them. They've recruited really well the last couple of years, um, after having a few classes in the, in the sixties, last two years, they've had top 40 recruiting classes. So I think Greg Shiano is slowly building a much more talented team there in Piscataway. Well, you mentioned seven, seven or, uh, 11 new offensive linemen, Seven of them freshmen, four of them transfers. I think that tells you a lot about what they thought about their line last year. And for good reason. Uh, last year alone, um, 43% of the time, their running backs were hit behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so almost half of their carries were going for almost negative yards. Um, so, uh, And they only averaged a little less than 20 points per game. So I think it's going to be a little bit of rebuilding. It wouldn't shock me if, if Gavin wins that a red shirt freshman who was, uh, I think a four-star guy when they brought in, if they just give him the reins just to kind of, and going young on the offense, just to build some development. Um, but also on the defense, I mean, they lost Muhammad Ture um, this off season to injury. He led them in sacks last year. Um, 
you know, they do have a pretty uh, experienced secondary with, with Avery, Avery Young and Christian Zen at, at safety. But um, I just I just don't see where we're mentioning kind of some of the offenses in the Big Ten East. I, I think kind of the same issue with Indiana. They might be pretty solid defensively. I just I just don't know if I can trust them offensively. This just sounds like a year they they might go young and try to build up uh, for the next year when they get more talent. Yeah, your top four linebackers are gone from 2021. You do bring in, I think, a couple intriguing wide receiver transfers. Tosh Harris from Syracuse, Sean Ryan from West Virginia, I think should help uh, whoever wins that starting quarterback job. All right, the over-under at four from FanDuel, the over plus 105, the under is minus 125. The out-of-conference, couple road games at Boston College, at Temple. They'll also host Wagner. Big Ten home slate, they'll get Indiana, Michigan, Penn State, as well as Iowa and Nebraska from the West. On the road, they're at Ohio State, Michigan State, Maryland, and Minnesota. Um, I am taking the under four. Um, I just think there's just there's just too much kind of transition. I, I think, like you said, I think this is kind of a, a transition year. Some issues at quarterback. Maybe they go younger. Um, you got to replace some firepower on offense, losing maybe your best defensive player to injury is brutal. Um, especially when you're Rutgers and you probably don't have a ton of great depth behind him. So I think they probably go two and one, although I could see one and two in the non-conference. I could see you losing to both temple and BC difficult draw from the West, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Like those could be like your two, three, four, three, four, five, like whatever kind of teams, like, <laughs> You don't get Illinois or like Northwestern. So, for like, for example, um, so I'm going to take the under uh, four for uh, Rutgers. Yeah, I'm the same uh, on the under two. Um, even while I was talking up kind of that they might have improved secondary, the linebackers, they lost all four of their top linebackers last year, too. Um, so, like you mentioned, I think this is just a transition year. I think this is the year you get install more of the new blood that Shiano's brought in um, while you kind of left kind of some of the ashes that, that were there from, from Chris Ash. So I think it's just a, another building year for Rutgers. That being said, I think this program is in a much better place than it was uh, before Chiano got there. And I think they're slowly building. This was going to be a slow build, but I think they're slowly building uh, to something good uh, there in Piscataway. But yeah, under for me. All right, before we move on to the Big Ten West, just a recap. Lucas and I are in lockstep on all seven teams in the Big Ten East, both on the over 11 Ohio State, the over 9.5 for Michigan, the over 8 Penn State, under 7.5 for Michigan State, over 5.5 for Maryland, the under 4 for both Indiana and Rutgers. As we move on to the Big Ten West, I will turn the mic off. I will step away from the <laughs> computer and let Lucas talk about the Wisconsin Badgers, an eight and four regular season, a victory in the Las Vegas Bowl over Arizona State, which I contend should only count for half a win, but I will probably be overruled. Uh, Lucas, I will let you take over and give us your thoughts on the Badgers. Yeah, so it was kind of it was kind of tough last year. It was kind of the second I would consider maybe the second straight disappointing season. Um, after the COVID year, thought there would be some improvement offensively. But once again, this team only averaged about 25 points per game. They were one of the worst teams in FBS when it came to, to passing efficiency, yards per attempt, throwing the ball. And that was really the whole story. Their defense 
was terrific a year ago, um, was in the top, I think it was the, the top total defense, if not the number, or if of course the number two total defense in the country. Um, and they had uh, a rising star in Braylon Allen that came along late in the season. I uh, was only 17 years old. And I think that's going to be a similar storyline coming into to this year. Um, they revamped a lot of their offensive staff. They brought in a new offensive coordinator and Bobby Ingram uh, to kind of help open things up. Um, I think I'll take a quote from, from Bill Connolly from ESPN. He's going to try to change Wisconsin without changing Wisconsin. Um, so <laughs> running the ball is still going to be a point of em- emphasis. I think they have the best, they, arguably the best running back group in the Big Ten, maybe in the country, and Braylon Allen. Chez Malusi comes back. He would have probably rushed for over a thousand yards last year had he not tore his ACL against against Rutgers. Um, but they do have a lot of inexperience uh, in the wide receiver room. Uh, they lost, you know, both Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor last year. I think they're young and talented there, but there's just a lot of unknowns. Uh, that being said, I think offensive line they're going to be really strong. I think it, it's arguably their deepest O line group they've had in years. And then the defensive side of the ball I'm pretty high on it they, they don't they do lose a lot in the linebacking group and in the secondary but uh, at corner they they brought in three transfer corners one of which was Jay Shaw who was a second team all pack 12 last year for UCLA um, I know Jim Leonard said he thinks it's the deepest uh, secondary room that he's had since he's been there um, could be some depth issues at at safety they lost a guy um, uh, Traylon Blaylock he was supposed to be the projected starter. He tore his ACL in spring, but should be really good on the defensive line. Uh, they do have to replace two NFL linebackers uh, on the inside, um, but they've recruited well there, and I think they're going to have arguably one of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten, uh, Nick Herbig, uh, on the outside. Um, he was, I believe, the second team All-Big Ten last year, had nine sacks. Um, should be in store for a really big year. Wouldn't shock me if, if, if he leaves after his junior year to go to the NFL draft. And their defensive line is going to be back. They only lose a couple guys um, from their two deep last year. And they bring back Keanu Benton, um, who once again should be playing on Sundays when it's all said and done next year. So I'm actually I'm pretty bullish just because I don't think their offense can get any worse. Uh, 2020 and 2021 – well, 2020 and 2021 was the worst – two-year stretch, points-wise, that they had had since 90 and 91. That was Barry Alvarez's first two years, where they won uh, one game in 1990 and five games in 91. I think they're going to be improved, even if they're just marginally better. uh, I still like this team a lot, just because I still think think they're going to have arguably one of the best defenses still in the Big Ten, and they're going to have one of the best running attacks in the Big Ten. You know, it's interesting. Lucas talked for about, I would say, four or five minutes and, and didn't mention Graham Mertz once. And I don't know if that I was tried, intentional. I, I kind of pushed that, pushed that to the back of my head. I don't know if that was intentional. I, I remember, you know, when Wisconsin got Graham Mertz to commit, it was – I mean, he's the highest-rated quarterback that they've had, correct? Like, recruiting rankings that, like, that they've signed. Ever, yes. Through three years now, he's got 19 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Last year, 11 interceptions, 10 touchdowns. Um, it just hasn't – he had the really good first game in 2020 against Illinois, and then he got COVID, and it just hasn't really clicked since. And it's – I don't know if it's if it's weapons. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's both. 
Um, but I obviously I think that's the biggest question. Now I still think Graham Mertz has the talent. Is probably still a top half quarterback in this league. Um, I think a lot of the questions of can the Wisconsin offense improve just from an outsider's perspective is centered around Graham Mertz and yeah. the passing game because. When I heard you describing Wisconsin, it sounded like every great Wisconsin team. Yeah. Big physical up front, great running game, good defense. Can we, you know, can we move the ball vertically? Can we stretch the field? Can we get chunk plays of 50, 60 yards through the air? And I think that's the biggest question um, for this team. And I think it will continue to be a pretty big question. Yeah. And like you, and like I mentioned too, like, I- Outside of Chimray DK, he's really the only guy that's coming back that caught passes for them last year. Um, they also lost Jake Ferguson, who is one of their better tight ends that they've had over the last few years, now playing for the Dallas Cowboys. So, um, yeah, it, there's a lot in Graham's plate this year. Um, you know, it's kind of do or die for him. Um, I think I was – the only reason I'm hopeful, he had a pretty nice stretch towards the back end of last season. Uh, when they kind of hit a soft point in their schedule. But when, you know, he didn't turn the ball over, they were good. I think one thing they'll benefit from is their schedule at the beginning of the year this year is much more favorable than it was last year. Last year in their first four games, they had Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame um, in three of their first four games, where, where this year that non-con's much more favorable. They do get Ohio State as their first Big Ten game, but – I think it should help. But yeah, I, I agree with you completely. The, the improvement they had, they can win the Big Ten West, I think, with him being average. They almost did it last year. But if they want to take a step and somewhat compete for a potential Big Ten title and maybe get to 10 wins, he's going to have to improve uh, pretty drastically. Yeah. So as Lucas mentioned, the out of conference, I think fairly light Illinois State, New Mexico State, and Washington State all at home. Uh, the Big Ten home slate, uh, and again, like we mentioned earlier, every Big Ten West team only has four conference home games, and they have five conference road games. At home, uh, Wisconsin will get Illinois, Purdue, and Minnesota, as well as Maryland from the east. On the road, like Lucas mentioned, they're at Ohio State early in the season. They'll also go at Michigan State from the east. And from the west, they get Northwestern, Iowa, Nebraska at home. The over-under at FanDuel Sportsbook is 9. The over is plus 130 under minus 130 and Lucas I will uh, I'll let you have the first crack at it oh man this is tough I was kind of debating this to myself back and forth pretty much all day because I'm like if I go over do I feel like I'm just being a homer (laughs) I'm just way too confident and if I go on the under am I doing it because I really think that or I'm just trying not to sound like a homer but I decided I'm actually going to go over I just think um I think nine and three is 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 somewhat likely. Like I said, I just I cannot fathom their offense being worse than it was the last couple of years. I think uh, I think a couple other receivers do take a step up. Like I mentioned, I think their offensive line is going to be really good this year. Um, they've just recruited at that position extremely well the last three or four years. Um, and like I said, I think their defense is going to keep them in in a lot of games, even with them losing a lot of production. Jim Leonard's still calling that defense. So and I expect it. And like I said, non-conference isn't too tough. I mean, their toughest games, in my opinion, are going to be Ohio State on the road, uh, Michigan State on the road, and Iowa. But like we said, I think we kind of all expect Michigan State to kind of take a step back. And, and Iowa last year, we beat them by, by 20 points at home. 
and held them to like 100 yards of offense. Like I said, I, I just don't know if Iowa Steve offense scares me. Playing at Kinnick scares the crap out of me, but... <laughs> I don't know if Iowa's offense scares me. Lucas Rohde, every year, ever, every single year. I'm being the I'm being the hopeful Badger fan. I think Graham Mertz does take a step forward. I'm excited to watch this team and see kind of the, the adjustments they make with, with Bobby Ingram as their offensive coordinator. So I am going to go with over. I may regret it at the end of the year, but uh, that's what I'm going to be going with. So I went under, and like you, I also think I could regret it. Like, I think this is a nine-win team. If this was eight and a half, I'd take the over. If it was nine and a half, I would take the under. Um, I think you probably already have a loss at Ohio State. So if I'm taking the over, I basically have one other loss, which is conceivable because I I think Wisconsin goes 3-0 in the non-conference. The road slate, I mean, you get Nebraska late in the year, and we'll get to them, but I I think they're going to be a – I don't think they're going to be very good. Um, <laughs> Kinnick is tough. Northwestern should be a win. Uh, Maryland at home should be kind of an interesting contrasting styles game. Um, I'm going to go under, but like, I think this is a push. Like I, I think nine and three is a very realistic scenario. And I think nine and three might win the conference for you. So, Wait, what, what any you final have, thoughts on Wisconsin? Did you have the, was the over under eight and a half? I had it at nine. Oh, really? I had it at eight and a half when I looked. Yeah, so I'm, oh, I'm so looking at nine. Dang, okay. looking at Fanzel right now. Uh, it's, it's actually plus one ten now, minus one. It was uh, it was eight and a half the last time I looked. So um, nine. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go over. I'll take the push. I don't know if I feel great about them uh, winning ten, but <laughs> we'll, we'll ride. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I checked yeah, it like last that. week, and it was eight and a half. I was like, okay, there's no way that's going up. And uh, it apparently did. So apparently did, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if it were eight and a half, I would go over as well. I think this is a nine-win team, pretty not easily, but I, um, I would put them at at a, a nine and three team. All right, let's move on to the uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the reigning Big Ten West champions, a ten and four record in twenty twenty one, ten and two regular season. They got shellacked by Michigan, forty two to three, in the Big Ten championship game. They lose to Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, four straight years finishing ranked for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, funny enough, my number two thing in my notes, got to improve the offense, which I feel like for my Iowa notes next year, I'm just going to write the same thing. Got to improve the offense. Spencer Petras is back at quarterback, uh, although they may open up a quarterback battle between him and Alex Padilla and potentially redshirt freshman Joey, uh, Joey uh, Labas. Running back Tyler Goodson is gone after rushing for 1,100 yards last year. Um, but they do return three of their top four receivers and their top two tight ends back. Um, Lucas, as unbiased as you can, your thoughts on the Iowa uh, Iowa Hawkeyes? It's kind of the, the same thing, uh, just a different year. Um, I think their defense is going to be fantastic. Um, it was really, really good last year. Um, I know reading that the state of the program and the athletic Kurt Ferentz thinks this could be his, his deepest defensive line that they've had, which is scary because they've had just in the last few years, but over his course at Iowa, which, you know, dates back to the early 20th century. Um, it was, I mean, they've had some really, really good defensive lines. I think six out of their top seven guys were back, uh, from last year. You only had the linebacking core. Jack Campbell is back. He was second team. 
all Big Ten. Jack Benson is back. He was their second leading tackler a year ago. Riley Moss in the secondary was the best defensive back in the Big Ten last year. I mean, their defense is – there's a lot to love. I even think one guy they brought in, a freshman, uh, Xavier uh, Nwankba, he was a four, uh, highly rated four-star uh, safety. They're, they think he could potentially play a lot this year too and kind of give them a, another element to that defense. So I love everything about their defense. It's the complete opposite on the offense. Um, I mean, they still have Bryant Ferences there. I don't think they've had a good offense since he's been running. <laughs> and they doubled down, and now he's their quarterback coach this year too. Um, maybe they turn around because we talked about I didn't think uh, – you know, Wisconsin's getting any worse, but at least they, they made some changes on their coaching staff on that side of the ball. Um, look, I think they're going to, I think this is going to be a typical Iowa team. They have a really good tight end. Once again, in Sam Laporta, one of the better tight ends in the big 10. Uh, you know, they lost Tyler Lindenbaum, but they return a lot on their offensive line, which should get better. But even last year, Tyler Goodson, I know he's not there, but he had the most negative uh, runs of any power five running back. Um, so just trying to get a, a good push for them. And as you mentioned, both Spencer Petrus and Akita both played last year. Neither were, were super impressive. If they, if they can be okay offensively, I think they can be really, really good. But I, I just don't know if they can be that. <laughs> Iowa's offensive ranks last year, 99th in points per game, 108th in rushing in yards per rush, 119th in tackles for loss allowed per game. 113th in completion percentage. Defensively, they were top 20 in scoring defense, yards per play allowed, total defense and interceptions. So you're right. It's just it's just night and day. Um, I don't love the fact that Iowa loses its best offensive player and seemingly doesn't have a better option at quarterback. Um, and really what it comes down to is like, can Iowa score enough points so the defense can keep you in games? Um, unfortunately for Iowa, they get Michigan and Ohio state out of the East. They also get Rutgers, but they go at Ohio state. They go at Rutgers, um, and they host Michigan out of the West at a conference. They'll go San San Diego, South Dakota state, Iowa state and Nevada, the big 10 home slate. They'll get Michigan, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Nebraska, big 10 road slate, uh, Rutgers, Illinois, Ohio state, Purdue, and Minnesota. The over-under is 7.5 at FanDuel Sportsbook. The over is plus 110. The under is minus 130. I took the over 7.5. I think the defense will be really good. The offensive line should be really good. And I think they're going to figure out how to score enough points. I I, I don't – you can you can hear it in my voice. I don't don't love it. I mean, the fact that you have to play Ohio State and Michigan – you do get Michigan at home, and it's Michigan's first road game. I'm guessing that'll be a night game in Kinnick. Yes. Um, one of the reasons I also went over is is the last time Iowa didn't win eight games in the regular season was 2017. Yeah. They won eight and four in 2018, nine and three in 2019, excluding the COVID year, and then 10 and two last year. It's just a consistent program. They're going to have a really good defense. Um, I don't think there's a dominant team in the Big Ten West this year. Um, and so I think it could get a little chaos. So I think eight and four is the most likely scenario for Iowa. Um, and that puts them over for me. Yeah, I'm going over as well. Um, just because, you know, their offense might not be any better, but they still won 10 games last year. <laughs> so won the big 10 West. I think I heard a crazy stat 
They didn't even have a passing touchdown. Or they had two passing touchdowns from October 2nd until the end of the year. Wild. <laughs> Still won all their games in November, four straight to the end of the year to, to make the Big Ten title game. Um, yeah, they also lost Charlie Jones, um, who I know transferred to Purdue. We'll talk about them in a little bit. He was a, a great re- – he was the return specialist of the year in the Big Ten last year on special teams. But, no, I just think this, this defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. They're probably going to upset people. Hell, it wouldn't even shock me if week one they like lost to South Dakota State or like beat them like they beat them like twenty to seventeen, but then like a few weeks later they knock off Michigan at home. Like that's yeah. just kind of the type of team they're gonna be. Um, but the thing is, is that's part of their culture, and I was perfectly comfortable playing those types of games. So that's why I'm also gonna go with over. I think eight and four is kind of the the floor. I think for this team. All right, the Nebraska, the Nebraska, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, the best three and nine team in the country, according to Scott Frost. Nine losses last year by a combined fifty-six points. They didn't lose a game by double digits. They lost eight games by eight points or fewer. Um, their three wins were by a combined one hundred nineteen points. Um, Scott Frost is fifteen and twenty-nine in five years at the helm. Uh, they overhauled the offensive staff. Um, including hiring Mark Whipple as the offensive coordinator from Pitt. Whipple maybe was the best OC in the country last year. I mean, Josh Gaddis certainly there as well, but what he did with Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison and, and everything. Um, and this is, you know, Nebraska's kind of last stand with Scott Frost. I think this is a do or die year. I think flat out, you don't make a bowl game, you're not coming back. I don't care how many national titles you won in Nebraska. I don't care how many boosters love you you just you can't be six years and no bowl games at nebraska you just can't casey thompson comes in transfers from texas he's favored to win the starting job they also brought in chubba purder chubba purdy excuse me uh from florida state a couple transfer quarterbacks um lucas are you bullish on Nebraska? It's a we'll, we'll get to it, but Vegas is pretty high on Nebraska considering the over-under. So what are your thoughts? I feel like every year I have the same conversation about Nebraska. Everyone, This happened like after Scott Frost's first year. They went 4-8. and eight. People were picking them as like a dark horse to make the college football playoff the next year in the win the Big Ten. Um, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I think they should be somewhat – I mean, their offense – wasn't awful last year. A crazy stat was they were 18th in FBS in yards per play. They averaged about 6.4 yards per play. However, they were 71st in in points per game, uh, just under 28. And maybe that improves with because Adrian Martinez just made some of the just the dumbest mistakes you could see sometimes on the field. Um, you know, Casey Thompson still a vet has a ton of experience. I think they'll be a little bit better there. You know, they bring some nice pieces back, especially defensively uh, at linebacker. Both their two leading tackles, Luke Reimer uh, and Nick Hendricks, are back. Garrett Nelson, who led them in sacks last year, is really is a really good outside linebacker. He's also there. Um, they also brought in, uh, as a transfer, O'Shawn Mathis from TCU, who was their leading sack leader. So I do like some of the pieces um, there. I just, I just I can't trust Nebraska. I mean – they outscored they outscored their opponents at Big Ten play last year and only won one game in league play. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. And to me, I just I feel like we see the same issues 
for the last four years. And until they prove otherwise, I, I just don't want to go out on a limb for them. So the the over under is seven point five, which to me is is just an incredible number by Vegas. I was expecting a five and a half or a six and a half. Like I could see anywhere from five and a half to six and a half, honestly. Um, but to see this team win eight games, like like you said, I have to see it first. Yeah, I have to see him win six games. I have to see him finishing games. Like you can talk about all the close losses all you want, but that's part of football. You got to win the close games. Like the old saying is good teams find ways to win games. Bad teams find ways to lose games. And like, we just know they had terrible special teams play. Mm -hmm. They really weren't very well coached. Um, and so the at a conference is North Dakota, (laughs) North Dakota. You sound so exasperated. Again, I'm just tired of doing this with Nebraska, (laughs) tired of doing this with Nebraska. The, like I'm going to tell you right now, before I say about the over under of the schedule, Nebraska plays Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, week zero, mm-hmm. and whatever the point spread is, I will be picking Northwestern and, and, and the points because I think Northwestern is going to win that football game, and Scott Frost immediately jumps to all the hot seat stuff, hundred percent. But before we even hit week one, I think Scott Frost will be on the hot seat. I also read his buyout drops on October first. Yes, like. I will be true. I'll be honest. I think Scott Frost is gone before the end of the season. Cool. So I think like, um, I think they lose to Northwestern. I just, I'm trying to play. I'm trying to envision this playing out in my head. And I think a realistic scenario is they lose to Northwestern. Um, and the, you know, the, the chatter already starts chatter already starts. And once that's like, once you're on the hot seat, it's so hard to get off the hot seat. Just it just is so. At a conference is North Dakota, uh, just North Dakota, not North Dakota State. Uh, Georgia Southern, and they'll go at Oklahoma. The Big Ten home slate includes Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin. They'll get Indiana from the East on the road. They'll get Purdue, Iowa, Northwestern. That game in Dublin, and they'll get Michigan and Rutgers on the road. I'm on the under seven and a half. I think this will be a five or maybe six win team. Um, and again, like there's a a realm where they go seven and five and it's a good season, but you still hit the under. Yeah. Right. Like there is a realm where you are seven and five. You have your best season in six years, but you still don't hit this over. So it's an under for me. Yeah, uh, it's an under for me as well. Kind of for similar reasons. I think their ceiling kind of is seven and five. Um, just leaning back. I mean, they lose their top two receivers from last year as well. Um, and Samari Ture and Austin Allen um, at the tight end position. So there's a lot of production that they they still got to fill there. Um, but yeah, seven and five, which to me like that keeps Scott Frost in place there for at least another year. I think that's a great success for their program. You know, maybe they're able to take, but I think I think I saw that they're like four and seventeen. I think against uh, Illinois or against Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota and um, and Northwestern, I think, over the last three years. Like, that's just not going to get it done. Um, like I said, I think it favors them that they, you know, they, they play Northwestern, but it's a neutral site game. Um, if they lose that game, I mean, all hope, I think, is gone. Um, but uh, I think seven and five, six and six is where this team is. So that's why I'm going with the under. All right, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 
fighting PJ Flex over there, rowing the boat in the land of a thousand lakes. Tanner Morgan back at quarterback, another one of these kind of sixth year quarterbacks. I believe this will be his fourth year uh, starting. Uh, Minnesota, I think, like a lot of teams in this division, mediocre to below average offense and pretty solid defense. Um, uh, PJ Fleck fires Mike Stamp Mike Samford in November last year. Their offensive coordinator. They bring back Kirk Shiroka, um, who when was when Wisconsin when Minnesota kind of broke out in 2019. He was their OC. He took the Penn State OC job before COVID and was fired after the 2020 season. Um, a lot is gone on the offensive line. 197 combined starts. They do get Mo uh, Ibrahim back. Uh, he was running rough shot over Ohio State before he ruptured, ruptured his Achilles in week one. A couple star receivers back, including Chris Autumn Bell, Daniel Jackson. Um, Lucas, your thoughts on the uh, on the Gophers? Oh, I have tons of thoughts on the Golden Gophers. Um, okay, here we go. My second favorite team in the Big Ten. Everyone knows this. Uh, but no, I think... <laughs> I think bring, I think being, bringing back Kurt Chiraka is is a big deal. Um, Tanner Morgan was fantastic with him in 2019. That's when they kind of had their, their big magical season uh, a couple of years ago before you know they got crushed for the battle for the axe against Wisconsin. But no one really remembers that anyway. Um, but uh, I, I do kind of like them on, on offense. They do. Um, they do have to replace a ton on the offensive line, which is worrisome because that was a huge strength for them a year ago. Uh, if Mo Ibrahim can stay healthy, I think um, Tanner Morgan should be improved with Kurt Sharaka. Chris Ottman Bell um, is a really fun receiver to watch. They do have to replace you know, some guys on offense. Six out of their, their top eight or six out of their eight guys in the defensive line who played last year are gone. Um, though they do return Thomas Rush, who led them uh, in tackles. They brought some transfers to h- kind of help fill up depth. Um, but overall, as much as I write in Minnesota, I think P.J. Flex done a really nice job up there, as much as I can't stand the guy. Um, I think he can coach football. Um, so to me, I think even though they may have some – we might consider depth issues because they lost guys. I think they've been able to bring in pretty good talent over the last couple of years. So – um, I mean, if, if Tanner Morgan can kind of get back to his 2019 form, I think this can be a really good Minnesota team. Yeah, you mentioned that 2019 form. Tanner Morgan that year with Kurt Sharoka as his OC, 3,200 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, and a 66% completion percentage. By far his best season um, as a as a college quarterback. Now, he also had Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson yeah. on that team, right? Like that, <laughs> that helps. Um, Chris Autumn Bell's really good. I don't think he's quite at that level. Obviously, Rashad Bateman was a first round draft pick, and Tyler Johnson is in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I actually think this season sets up nicely for Minnesota. I think they have experience back. If they can figure out the offensive line, which only returns 22% of their offensive line starts. Um, they return 89% of their receiving yards, 97% of their passing yards, only 42% of their rushing yards, but you could argue they're getting their best running back back yes. when he's fully healthy. Um, I'm a little bullish on Minnesota. If you look at the at a conference, it's very manageable. New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado. The Big Ten home slate, they get Purdue, Rutgers at home, Northwestern at home, and Iowa. 
On the road, they'll go Michigan State, Illinois, Penn State, Nebraska, Wisconsin. The over-under from FanDuel is 7.5. The over minus 130. The under is plus 110. And I will uh, I will let you go first as I went first with uh, Nebraska. This one I was kind of – I'm just going to go with the over. Um, I think that – I I think uh, 8 and 4 is a little bit more likely than 7 and 5. Um, I think because kind of, kind of like you mentioned there, I think they go 3-0 and in the non-con. Um, they do have to go to Michigan State at Penn State and then also at Wisconsin to, to end the year. But even if they lost those three, they could still lose another one. They're still going to hit over. Um, like we mentioned, they're, you know, uh, you know, they bring Cross, Chris Altman Bell, but they also bring, you know, there are other top four wide receivers behind him uh, in receiving yards from a year ago back. Um, I think the defense, though it might take a step back, I don't think it's going to take a drastic step back. They've had pretty decent defenses there since B.J. Fleck was there. And also just the way they play offense, um, they're kind of like Iowa, like Wisconsin, where they like to use up clock. They like to control uh, possession. You know, um, you know, they're not going to be trying to, to hurry up all the time there. And I think their offense is going to be greatly improved, just with Kurt Sharaka coming back, but also with Mo Ibrahim coming back too. So I will take – uh, the over as much as it as it pains me. Yeah, somewhere Dakota Johnson is is uh, has a big old smile on his face. One final note on Minnesota: last year Minnesota rushed the ball on designed runs, sixty four point two percent of plays per Pro Football Focus. It's the highest figure by a Power Five team in three years. Yeah. the uh, The average Power Five team runs designed run plays about forty eight percent of the time. So. Minnesota did not throw the ball very much. I expect that to change a little bit, and I think that will have some pretty good results for them. Hey, and even because of that, they still went eight and four last year. Um, went eight and four. They yeah. they've had two. Uh, if you take out the COVID year, two straight years of over eight wins yeah. in the regular season. And, and two of those losses, I guess maybe the one thing I could worry: two of those losses last year were to Bowling Green and to Illinois by one possession. Games they probably should have won. So if they're able to kind of shake off those type of games, like I said, I think yeah, eight and four, I think is kind of the, the the floor for them. It would be real interesting if that game in Madison comes down to the Big Ten West. I mean, could very, very well could. Could very, very well could. Be. I might have to go. I have tickets to that game. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. All right. The Purdue Boilermakers nine and four in twenty twenty one. A really nice season for Jeff Baum. Uh, Jeff Brom, excuse me. Eight and four in the regular season. Um, Nine wins is the most in 18 years. Purdue beat two top five teams. They beat number two, Iowa, and number three, Michigan State. And they were five and one in their final six games, including a really entertaining Music City Bowl win over, over Tennessee. Um, so a lot of momentum for this Purdue Boilermaker program. Aiden O'Connell is back after a really nice year uh, at quarterback. You lose some wide receivers. Um but Lucas, this is a team that we kind of talked about earlier that kind of bucks the trend in the Big Ten. They're going to spread it out a little bit. They're going to throw the ball around. They've done a nice job producing wide receivers. David Bell last year, Rondell Moore the year before that. Um, Purdue, I think, is a pretty polarizing team. The ceiling, I mean, maybe they contend for the division. The floor is a four or five win team. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I think kind of what you said, just because they are so different. They are kind of hard to rate just because they are so much different than most of the top teams in this division. Uh, they actually threw for 1,400 more yards 
than the second most team in the Big Ten West, just to show how drastic they are. That's insane. And um, they only averaged um, about uh, 2.7 yards per carry, uh, which was the worst in FBS. So they really didn't have to run the football, but it didn't really matter because they had so much success throwing it. Um, And I think that's going to continue this year. I mean, they return Aiden O'Connell, who had a really nice season last year, 26 touchdowns, only 11 picks, was second team all Big Ten. Um, they do return uh, Payne Durham, who I think is one of the better uh, tight ends in the game, I think will be utilized a lot. Um, but they do lose. You mentioned David Bell's gone. They also, their second leading receiver, Milton Wright, is also gone. Um, but to me, I just think the the system that they run there, I mean, they had Rondell Moore. Then we were like, okay, who's going to replace Rondell Moore? Then they brought in David Bell. And yeah. I just think this is just going to be the type of offense that they're always going to be able to find receivers. So I'm not too worried on the offense side of the ball. I think it's more defensively. Um, they had a huge turnaround last year, but the defensive coordinator, Brad Lambert, is gone. He was calling plays for them. He went to Wake Forest. And also they lost their best defensive player, George Karloftis, who was just a terror uh, to offensive lines last year. Um, was a first-round pick and also uh, was first-team uh, uh, first All-Big Ten last year, one of the best defensive players in the conference. Um, so – Kind of some issues there. I know they, they lose also their top two leading tacklers from a year ago as well. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild on the defensive front. I don't love that considering you're going to be going up against some pretty good offensive lines. In the Big Ten, you also get Penn State uh, to kind of start your game. Um, so I think they could be backtracked, but I do think their offense is going to it's gonna, it's gonna be fun to watch still again this year. Uh, the out-of-conference for Purdue, Indiana State, at Syracuse and Florida Atlantic. Uh, Lucas mentioned they will open Big Ten play. They will open their season at home on September 1st. That's a Thursday week one against Penn State. They will also host Nebraska, Iowa, and Northwestern. On the road out of the east, they'll go at Maryland at Indiana. They'll also host Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota. Uh, Lucas, I took the under. More so just out of like a numbers, like I have to have some teams go under. And I think seven and five is is very realistic. I do think losing David Bell and Milton Wright and George Karlofkis, it's just going to be, it's just tough. And Purdue, I don't know if if they're in a situation to replace those guys like some other teams are. Um, I think seven and five or six and six, you you may go three and oh in the non-con at Syracuse, maybe a little tricky. That's kind of a toss up. Um, The... Games out of the East aren't terrible. You don't get Michigan or Ohio State. You get Penn State at home. That could be a really fun one. If they beat Penn State at home, like, look out. Yes. I mean, that's the huge implications for both programs. Uh, so I am on the – I'm on the under, but it's a it's a seven and five, six and six kind of under. Yeah, and I don't think that should be uh, an awful season for them. Last year was their first winning regular season since 2007. So I think – going back-to-back, having two straight – if you go seven and five, have two straight winning regular seasons, probably for the first time since the early 2000s, um, I still think they're moving in the right direction. But, yeah, kind of the same. I just think, um, you know, kind of the, going off the losses they have, I just don't think they're going to be as strong defensively, and I think that's going to hurt them in games, especially, you know, in games like, like Penn State, where I think their offense is going to take a step forward. On the road at Maryland – we already kind of mentioned that might be a, a great over game if you're betting that. Um, but yeah, I just think six and six, seven and five, much more likely. I think they make a bowl this year, but um, 
yeah, so I'm going to go with the, the under as well. All right, we move on to the Big Ten West to the Illinois Fighting Illini, uh, a, a favorite of, uh, of Lucas and I some, for some random reason. <laughs> uh, year two for Brett Bielema and staff. They went 5-7 and seven in 2021. Interesting season for Illinois. Um, they got crushed by Virginia. They got crushed by Wisconsin. Um, they also lost to UTSA, but close losses to Maryland, Purdue, and Rutgers. If I'm Illinois, I'm thinking to myself, like, if I win one of those games, if I beat Purdue, Rutgers, or Maryland, I'm going to a bowl game. Mm -hmm. They do end the season with a big 47-14 win over Northwestern. Uh, they bring in former Syracuse quarterback Tommy DeVito to replace Brandon Peters. TBD, if that's an upgrade, I would I would think it's an upgrade, but we really haven't seen DeVito be really good since like 2019. Uh, the running backs should be really good with Chase Brown and Josh McCray. A lot of questions at receiver and a lot of good offensive linemen missing, um, but they do return a good amount on a what was a really solid defense. Yeah. And I thought Ryan, I thought Ryan Walters did a nice job. Uh, they got crushed by Virginia, and after that, they were very solid. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting year too for Illinois, kind of as they keep building. They had a very veteran team last year. I know we both kind of like them, and we we both took their over. Um, some of those guys are gone. Some of those COVID seniors are gone, but still a lot in place for Brett Bielema in year two. Yeah, um, and kind of mentioned from last year, I thought that was a great first year for Brett Bielema there. That was, uh, like you mentioned, a program that was pretty much outside of that Virginia game was and Wisconsin was pretty much in every game. Um, and then went on the road and beat Penn state. It was yeah. their first time they had beaten a ranked opponent on the road in years. And, um, and they beat Minnesota on the road. And they beat Minnesota on the road too. So um, I think they had a really good building block there. I wasn't going into this review. I did not think I was going to be very high on Illinois. I thought, kind of as you mentioned, they lost a lot of experience from last year on a team that only won five games. thought this would be kind of the, the transition year. But um, I do like the, the higher they uh, they got rid of their OC from last year. Barry Looney, who comes from UTSA, who beat Illinois last year, um, he actually takes over as their offensive coordinator. And apparently I'm interested to see what they do because apparently he said they want to run AFAP or as the acronym means, as fast as possible, um, which I think is a, is a pretty big change of pace, obviously, from what we imagine Brett Bielema coming from Wisconsin and Arkansas probably wants to run. Um, see if they could run that with either Tommy DeVito or Arthur Sitkowski. They do return Isaiah Williams, um, who was their leading receiver last year, um, had a nice season uh, kind of converting uh, from a quarterback. Um, and then they do return some guys on the, the defensive side. Offensive line, uh, they return um, Alex Alzuski, who I didn't know this, has 52 active starts. It's more than any other player in college football this year. <laughs> so I think he, okay, I think, for him. I think he's a, um, a six-year guy. But they also return Chase Brown, who had a 1,000-yard season last year, and Josh McCray, who had uh, close to 550 yards on the ground. So I think there, there are still good building blocks here. Um, I just think they're a unique team, and I, I'm still kind of torn which way I'm going to go on them. Yeah, so the number is four and a half. Um, over is minus 120, under plus 100. At a conference, they get Wyoming, week zero, Virginia, and Chattanooga all at home. The Big, the big Ten home slates, 
includes Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, and Michigan State from the east. On the road, they'll go at Indiana, at Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan, and Northwestern. I'm on the over. Like I, I, I think this is a team that will be about as good as it was last year. Yeah. I don't think they have a steep drop-off at quarterback. Um, I think they should be able to run the ball. They brought in some new guys on the offensive line, and depending on how that goes, that might be the biggest question, right? You replace Doug Kramer. You replace Viridian Lowe, who were both draft picks. Can you get production from some of your younger or more inexperienced guys? Because, in, I mean, in the Big Ten, I think, you know, Lucas and I both read a lot of the state of the programs. That was kind of the bulk of our prep. I can't tell you how many times the phrase like this is a conference of offensive line was like was mm-hmm. like repeated. Like the the good teams in this conference, whether it's Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, like whoever, you have to have a good offensive line. And I thought Illinois offensive line was 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 pretty good last year, at least mm-hmm. you know run uh, run blocking wise. The defense I think will still be pretty solid. They return a lot in the secondary. They got some questions at linebacker and along the defensive front, like rushing the passer. They lost Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay. Um, but it, it's an over for me. I, I don't know if it's a bowl team. I think if, I think if they go 3-0, and like I think the games like Virginia is a toss-up. Yeah. I think potentially like Purdue, um, Nebraska could be toss-ups. Like I think you lose to Wisconsin. I think you probably lose to Iowa. Like we talked about with Indiana, like the week one game at Indiana, like that's a toss-up. So there's a chance Illinois 7-5. and five. And there's a chance that they're four and eight, like, but that's like with every team, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of my take. So I'm on the over slightly. Yeah. I'm on the over too. Um, just cause, uh, you know, like I said, I just, I think they have good pieces in place. And like I said, I think that like you mentioned too, the non-conference, I just don't know if Virginia is going to be as good as they were a year ago. Um, Wyoming certainly isn't as good as they were a year ago. I thought maybe last year that team could have given them uh, maybe some issues. Um, but, yeah, I I just think this team defensively, I think they're going to be slightly better on the offensive side of the ball. Once again, I, they're one of the, another one of these teams, the Big Ten West. I just don't know if they can get much worse offensively as they were last yeah. year. 112th, I think, in total offense. Um, but I think that the coordinator change will help. Um yeah, I think five and seven. Uh, I, I the thing that tore me was I said I just don't know if I can see this team going like four and eight or three and nine. So I think five and seven could be a realistic goal. And I think if the ball bounces right, like you mentioned, I think this could be a potential bowl team, which is kind of crazy to believe. Uh, I thought this was going to be a long rebuild for for BLM. I thought it would take them at least three years to probably get to that level, and they almost got to it this year or last year, and could potentially do it again this year. I think COVID for as it caused so much destruction, right? The last couple of years, but for college football with between the extra year for the seniors and a lot of these schools now, I mean, think of like Wake Forest or think of Indiana, like a lot of sixth and fifth year seniors. Mm-hmm. I think Illinois is also one of those teams. So, all right, we round out the big 10 conference with the Northwestern Wildcats. Um, the good news for Northwestern is it's an even year. In the last two even years, they won the Big Ten West. They won it in 2018. They won in 2020. Uh, each of the following seasons, they went three and nine, three and nine in, in 2019, three and nine in 2021. It is one of the worst offenses in the country. Ryan Helinski is back at quarterback. We don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, <laughs> it's 
the like volatility of this program is is funny to me. Yeah. Like you don't see a lot of teams go from like winning divisions to like three and nine. It's very, very rare. Um their best defensive player, Brandon Joseph, transferred to Notre Dame. Um only have one returner back at wide receiver with more than twenty catches. They do they should have a really good offensive line. First team all Big Ten left tackle Peter Skoronsky is back. They should. They have a lot of depth there and a lot of experience on the offensive line. I already told you I think they're going to beat Nebraska, but I don't know what else to think about them. So tell me what to think about about Northwestern. Oh man, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of asking the same question because you mentioned. I mean, they were they were not good last year, but the last time they went three and nine, they ended up going to the Big Ten championship game the next season. And with just with Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, he's built such a good program there. The one that's been fairly consistent despite the last couple of years being up and down. Um, it's just very hard for me to see them being three and nine again. Um, I mean, they do. You mentioned kind of Ryan Holinsky is back. They bring back a lot of their top ride receivers from last year. They also bring back Evan Hall, who was you know a thousand yard rusher last season. Um, so they have some pieces there. The thing that worries me is so last year was their first year that they didn't have Mike Hankowitz as their defensive coordinator, I believe since Fitzgerald was the head coach. And it was a massive drop-off. Um, you know, Northwestern really for a while has got gotten around with very below average offense, but they have always played good defense. And I know they were really young last year. They were, they were the complete opposite of most people in college football. They brought back like nobody from that COVID year. I think they only brought back seven starters last year. Um, so it was, uh, inevitable that they were probably going to have a down year, but just the fact that they dropped off so much from last season, I think does worry me just a little bit um, that maybe it really was that Mike Hankowitz was just kind of a, a defensive genius, but who knows? That's why that's kind of my biggest question mark for them this year. They scored 30 points in only one game. And that was against Ohio. Um, they lost their last six games of 2021. And you look at the scores, I mean, at Michigan lost 33-7. Yeah. Minnesota lost 41-14. At Wisconsin lost 35-7. Purdue lost 32-14. Illinois lost 47-14. These games weren't close. They did lose to Iowa by just five points. But, like, besides that, like, there's a win over Rutgers, and that's basically it. And it's it's really desolate out there. The over-under at FanDuel, three and a half. Over is minus 150, the under plus 125. The out-of-conference includes Duke, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio. At home, they'll get Nebraska. Stand by. Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Illinois. They'll, on the road, they get Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue. Uh, so out of the east, they get Ohio State on the, at home, Maryland, and Penn State on the road. The other thing, Lucas, is... The game against Nebraska in Dublin is considered a home game for Northwestern, which means Northwestern only has three true home games in conference. And one of those is against Ohio State and Wisconsin, but one of those is against Ohio State. Yeah. The schedule did not do any favor for this. So three and a half. Um, I'll let you go first over on oh, this. Is tough. Um, I, I probably mathematically should go under because I think I've gone. I think I've gone over for the majority of the teams in here, but I just I just have a tough time going under just because I just don't think they I just 
I just don't see them going three and nine for a second straight year. Right. Like to me, like just with Pat Fitzgerald, like just looking at their non-conference, I think those are all three. They obviously should beat Southern Illinois, Miami. I think Duke's a very winnable game. Neither one of us are super high on the blue devils this year at all. They're kind of rebuilding under Mike Elko. I think if they go three and Oh, they only got to win one more game. And Northwestern's one of those teams where, they usually will nip somebody in the butt. I mean, Wisconsin plays at, at Ryan Field. That's like a house of horrors for us. That game always makes me nervous. We, we've only won once there since 1999. Um, yeah. Because it, it's just the worst place to play in the Big Ten. But uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go over just because I just – I believe in Pat Fitzgerald and what he's built there. Um it's tough because I just don't know how good this defense is going to be. I think they'll be better than last year. But um, you mentioned that losing Brandon Joseph was a huge loss. But I just don't think they can be as bad. I think the offense does take somewhat of a step forward if they're not great. But I still think at worst this team finds a way to win four to five games. But that's that's me betting a so lot, I feel like. I, I essentially agree with you for the same logic. I mean, when you have these low numbers – you're, you're just looking for wins. And I, I think Southern Illinois is a win. Even if you split Miami of Ohio and Duke, both those games are at home. You know, like you're right. You get one game in conference, you've hit the over. Maybe it's Nebraska and Dublin. Maybe it's Illinois, the last game of the season. Maybe it's Wisconsin. Yeah. Maybe they get a, a one of the at Minnesota or at Purdue at the end of the season. So I think four and eight or five and seven is the most likely outcome for this team. But you get four wins, you go over. So I'm taking the over as well. So just just to recap here, as we're now over 100 and over uh, 90 minutes. So thank you all for staying with us here. Lucas is on the over for Wisconsin at nine. I'm on the under. Uh, the rest we are in lockstep. Both have the over seven and a half for Iowa and Minnesota. The under seven and a half for Nebraska and Purdue. The over four and a half for Illinois. The over three and a half for Northwestern. All right, Lucas, pretty quickly, um, give me your Big Ten championship game and your conference champion. Well, shocking. I'm going to go with uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Obviously, going over going over with the nine for Wisconsin, I think, pretty much would get them the edge. In the West, I'm pretty sure this is the same title game I've picked the last three years, and I've been wrong every year. Um, so maybe the third time is the charm that this happens. And then I have Ohio State winning the Big Ten. I just, I just think Ohio State, as it, even though they they lost to Michigan last year, I think pretty much this past decade they've been kind of in a tier by themselves. Um, and I think coming off what they considered a disappointing year, they're going to rebound pretty considerably. Yeah, it's really hard, man. I think three teams in the West can realistically win the win the division. I think Iowa. Wisconsin and Minnesota can all conceivably win the division. I, I I have the most, I have the least faith in Iowa's offense of, of those three, but I have the most faith in their defense. Mm-hmm. I think the Iowa defense is probably the best unit out of the six of those three teams. So I'm going to take Iowa in the West against Ohio state. And I think Ohio state, like, unfortunately I think it's going to go just like the Michigan. Games, <laughs> right? Like, 42 to three, yeah. you know, 38 to five, but wait, whatever. Uh, un- unfortunately, I think Ohio state is just so much better right now than every other team in that conference. Yeah. That's so. just 
Yeah, it sounds predictable, but most of the time in college football, that just happens to be the case. So. Do you know offhand when has the West team ever won the Big Ten championship no. in this format? So not since they they did it. Um, it's been I think twenty fourteen was the first the the first year the current alignment is in, and no, the East has won. Every year, um, I don't think the discrepancy, like everyone makes a big deal about it, but most of the games have been fairly competitive besides like yeah. last year, everyone brings up the, the 59 nothing game with Wisconsin and, and Ohio State, but for the most part, they've been pretty big. Wisconsin should have won in 2016. They're up three scores against Penn State. That game still gives me nightmares. Um, and I can't like Trace McSorley basically solely because of it. Um, but, uh, but no, they have not won. Um, and who knows, this could be the last year, the last chance that a West team has it because they might go divisionless next year. So, um, I don't, I don't see it happening. Not with Ohio state. Agreed. All right, man, this was fun. We got one more left. We'll do the sec next week and then we're doing some previews and, and, uh, we're getting close. So any, uh, any final words here before we sign off? No, I'm excited, um, kind of whittling down here. I'm excited pretty soon that we'll be actually talking about previewing games instead of uh, previewing seasons. So um, uh, I can get there. It doesn't feel like it here in Nashville. is 95 degrees here today, so the, the crisp air has not hit yet. But hopefully in a few weeks, it'll start to feel that way. Lucas, just think, man, pretty soon we'll be, we'll be right here breaking down UConn, Utah State. In Northwestern uh, Nebraska, and just loving every single minute uh, of it. Florida State Duquesne, I cannot. Florida wait. State Duquesne. Uh, we got the Hawaii Vanderbilt game on on the islands at at ten thirty <laughs> Eastern on the twenty seventh of Wait, August. So and Hawaii plays in like a stadium of like seven thousand people or something right now because they had to demolish a lot Oahu Stadium. So. Just crazy. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with our SEC with our SEC preview. Have a good night and stay frosty.